Thank you, Elder Doug, for sharing your passion. Uh, one thing about you need, need to know about UBC is that we are full of God's people. We're full of passion that we really want to bless others, especially in our community. Because, again, you hear me say it over and over again, UBC does not simply exist, but we are alive in Christ. Amen? Amen. For his honor and glory. Well, two weeks ago, or last, should I say last week, we started a brand new series called New Beginnings. And some of you have the bulletin, uh, well, the flyers with you, and you've been handing it out to your neighbors and friends and inviting them to our church. Last week, we kicked it off by talking about, uh, in order to have new beginnings, that we need to move forward. As we talked about Paul said, forgetting the things from behind us and focusing on what is ahead of us, straining us, straining towards what is ahead. Well, today we're going to talk about biblical principles of pruning. Now, some people have a misconception about what pruning is all about. But Jesus clearly defines what he means, what pruning is. And we're going to talk about the pruning process today, how he defines it and how he teaches it. And I hope and pray that all of us will be blessed by his teaching this morning. Because it's about him and it's his teaching and not my teaching, nor any man's teaching. is not a man's opinion or suggestion, but it is biblical teaching. And at UBC, we teach the Bible. Amen? And UBC, we keep our eyes on Jesus. At UBC, it's all about Jesus and Him being glorified. Amen? Can I get a hallelujah? Let me pray and ask, ask the Lord to bless this message. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. Though that we are faithless at times, though that uh, we may not be good, but you are faithful, you are good to us, and you love us regardless. Your love is not conditioned condition upon or our, our skills or our abilities or what we do or what we say. But your love is simply grace, love shown to the undeserving. So we come together humbly, seeking you, asking you to teach us what it means to be your child, your children, what it means to be the light and salt of this world, what it means to be the hope in the community of Uptown Baptist Church. So God, be blessed, be glorified. And Lord, now may the meditation of my heart and the words that are spoken through this servant may be pleasing in your sight. In the holy name of Christ we pray, amen. Now when you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, the gospels, the four gospels, something that you would notice about Jesus is that Jesus uses the surroundings as a teaching moment to help people to see and experience his teaching in a deeper level. Oftentimes when he was walking with his disciples, when he notices a mountain, he points to the mountains and he says, listen, there's mountains in front of you, but if you have faith and if you pray that you could remove those mountains. And we talked about the fig tree. When he was hungry, he approached the fig tree because thinking that there was fruit and that he approached it. But what, did, what happened when we, talked to, when we looked into this word? What happened? The fig tree, it looked like it was a, appeared to have produced fruit. But when Jesus got really close, what did he notice? There was no fruit. 
And Jesus called that hypocrisy. And he made a big indictment, and he cursed that tree, not because of the tree itself, but he was an indictment against the nation of Israel. Because the fig and the vine is a symbol of Israel. Well, today he was walking with his disciples, and he noticed a vineyard. And he saw the vineyard, and he said, this is a teaching moment for my disciples. So he pointed out to the vineyard, and he said, let me teach you something this morning or today. As he is saying to us, UBC, you're gathered here today, and Jesus Christ is saying to you, he says, let me teach you something this morning. Amen? And I hope and pray that our eyes and ears are open and say, Jesus, what do you want to teach us this morning? Because I'm ready to receive your word because I want to obey and follow. He noticed the vineyard. Now, to illustrate our relationship with him and the Father, he pointed that out. Here, Jesus focuses on three basic truths that he wants to teach us and that we, want, we need to learn. Three things is that life, he's a life giver. Second, fruitfulness, that if we are in Christ and if we are disciples of Christ, we need to be fruitful. We learned that when we talked about the fig tree. And the third thing that he teaches about is prayer. And this is all comes from God pruning us. These three characteristics that he would like to see us in us is that it happens when God prunes us. So turn with me to John chapter 15, beginning with verse 1. You will see it behind me, and if you have your Bibles, please open it up. Or if you have your Eva, whatever it is, highlight the words that I want you to highlight as I bring your attention to. But as you look behind me, Jesus begins, and he says in verse 1, he says, I am. Now, when I saw this text many years ago, when I saw this first, I couldn't help but to remember what Jesus Christ, I mean, excuse me, what God said in Exodus chapter 3. God told Moses, what did God tell Moses? He said, go to Egypt, and I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Right? And, 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 and Moses is like, what in the world? <laughs> Lord, what, God, what are you thinking? I can't just walk into Pharaoh and demand let my people go or let God's people go. I can't do that. And you know Moses came up with all these excuses, right? I can't speak well. You know, I'm old and, and they're going to kill me if I go there. He came up with all excuses. Does this that sound familiar to us? When God calls us to something, he said, God, I can't do this. I can't go there. I'm, I'm an introvert. I'm not an extrovert like Pastor Nick. I'm not good looking as Pastor Mark. You know, we come up with all these excuses, don't we? You feel me? So Moses says, okay, 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 God. You're telling me to go to Egypt. So if I go there, what do I tell them? What do I say? What should I say? Who, who sent me here? Who sent me here? And remember what God said. Tell them, I am. God is so powerful, he doesn't need a name like Mark or Nick. He says, I am, I am. I'm God Almighty. I don't need a name to identify who I am. I am. So when I first read this, it reminded me of Exodus when God says, I am. And when you look at the, uh, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus said it 
five times, and now here, this is the last six of I am. Remember, he says, I am the good shepherd, right? So here he says, I am. God answered, I am. So she says, I am what? I am the true vine. Do you hear that? Online that, that word, true vine. And he says, my father is the gardener. Now, when the disciples heard, I am, they know, the, the, again, the Old Testament, because they're Jewish. Jewish, again, the first thing that you, what the mamas read was the Old Testament. All right? So, those, they, so they know about the story of Egypt. That's why they, pa- they celebrate the Passover so diligently and faithfully. So when Jesus says, I am, you could imagine their ears perkled up and they're, they're all, all ears are on deck and they're ready to listen. He says, I am the vine, the true vine. You see, the reason why Jesus Christ said, I am the true vine is vine represents Israel, the nation of Israel. The, the vine represents who they are as a nation. And what Jesus was saying is this, the purpose of the vine is to produce fruit, amen? But when he looked at the Jews and he looked at the religious leaders, and he looked at the nation of Israel, they were not producing fruit. Rather, they were fruitless. They weren't doing what their, purpo- their purpose was. They weren't producing fruit when they were created to produce fruit. As you and I know, vine is to produce fruit. And some of you who are wine drinkers, appreciates a good, great vine, right? Because wine is, please educate me. I'm not so much of a uh, wine person, but it naturally comes from grapes, right? Something like that. But what I'm talking about is this. They were not producing fruit. And Jesus, so seeing that, failing to, to produce fruit, he says, I need to step in. Because you all are not doing what, we, what God the Father and I and the Holy Spirit, the God, the triune God, the one in, one in God, are what commanded you are not doing it. Matter of fact, you are failing big time. As especially he looked at the religious leaders. Sadducees, Pharisees, teachers of the law, they were failing big time. And he says, I need to intervene. And that is why Jesus said, I am the true vine. The true vine. Because you all are not doing what you're called to do or supposed to do. Therefore, Jesus intervened. When I was in youth ministry, I had a, a, when we were having Friday night Bible studies, as you know, I am so pumped up. I am so excited that we started our youth ministry. Word to uh, Josh, and he's doing a fantastic job, and I thank him. So let's give him a clap, all right? But Josh, keep your eye upon Jesus, amen? <laughs> he knows that. It's Josh and I, we talk about that. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, nowhere else. But anyway, we had Friday night Bible studies, and I had about 10 teachers because we were splitting up the, the students according to their grades. And as they train and, 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 and nurture the teachers, in return, they could teach the youth. 
And so about the head, we had about 10 teachers, and we had about 10 classes in different classes. And I would go around to each classes and just kind of sit in and, and, and hear the, the teachers, the college students and young adults teach so that they would, you know, just in case they would not misinterpret the text. Or, you know, sometimes they can blaspheme, okay? I was there, all right? And so, again, I was sitting there, and, and, and there were times when the teacher, even though they had a good heart and a good intention, they would misinterpret the text. And when they do that, I would gently, what? Intervene and correct them. Because I did not want the students to get the wrong teaching or wrong interpretation of the text. You see? So the point that I'm making is that, my brothers and sisters, in the same way, Jesus Christ, seeing the nation Israel, not producing the fruit that they need to bear, or, not the, the, or, or as a result, so as a result, he intervened, and he says, I am the true vine, and I am the fulfillment of God's purpose, and I will show you how to bear fruit. I will show you how to produce fruit. And then he's telling the disciples, what he's, he's walking, and he's again pointing to the vine. He says, let me teach you how to produce fruit in your lives. Because fruit is meant to feed others. Now, let me press the pause button here, and this is a question that I want to ask you, and I, I believe I asked you this question before, and that the question is, beginning with me, is when, I, when I'm in my own life, am I producing fruit? And I raised that question before when we were talking about the fig tree. When Jesus Christ goes real close into your life, does he see the fruit that you're producing? Are you fruitful? Or fruitless? Are we like the nation Israel that were not producing fruitless or they were not producing fruit or when they were barren? That's the question that we need to often ask ourselves and ask myself. When people get real close, are they seeing the fruit and are they being blessed by the fruit that I am producing? Now, Jesus had to intervene because they couldn't do anything right. So for us, this is a great news, good news. Christ is the true vine, and we are the branches, and God the Father is the gardener. Now, Jesus is pointing out at the vine and the branches saying, you see how they are connected. You see, the vine and the branches, they're connected. They're interlocked in the same way we are connected. That's what Jesus is saying. The sap that runs in my veins runs in yours. I stole that from an author. I can't remember the author's name. It's so good I want to say that again. The sap that runs in my veins runs in yours. That's what Jesus is saying. The sap that is producing, that is just going through my veins, is going through your, it's going to yours because we are connected. Just like the branches, the, the vine is connected to the branches. And the Father is working around us, taking care of the vine so that you will produce good fruit. You see, there is that, again, Father's always at work. 
brothers and sisters, fruit bearing is what identifies that we are a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Your name does not identify who you are. Just because you say or you profess that you are a Christian doesn't mean that you are a Christian. Amen? Amen. Just because you say that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ doesn't mean that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Just because you come on Sunday worship service and be blessed by our worship team and be blessed with one another and you fellowship with our church members doesn't mean that you are a Christian. Amen? But what it means that you are true Christians is that it is identified by your fruit bearing. And that you are a disciple of Christ. Just because you speak it, just because you pronounce it or proclaim it does not make you a Christian or a disciple of Christ. Notice in verse 2 he said, he, meaning the Father, cuts off every branch in me, meaning Jesus, that bears no fruit. Remember again when he looked at the fig tree, Jesus condemned that tree and it withered. So here Jesus now takes a, 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 kind of expands on it and he says, if, if, you, if you say that you are producing fruit, but yet you don't produce fruit, you say that you are a Christian and you don't, again, produce fruit, then what does God the Father do? He looks at it and he says, you're not producing fruit, you're withered, so he cuts it off. He cuts it off. And you may say, well, that's kind of mean for Father to do that. That's kind of mean to do that. But the reason why he cuts it off is because he wants to make room for new growth. Okay? He wants to make room for new growth. And that's, so, that's what this, the preening process is. He wants to not waste that space because he wants to use that space for new growth, new beginnings. The question is, what does producing good fruit look like? That is a question that perhaps some of you might be asking in your mind. What does it look like then? Answer, is it helping people to come to know Jesus Christ? Is that producing good fruit? Or is it doing good works? Is that what uh, producing good fruit is about? Someone coming to know Christ or helping someone to know Christ or, uh, you know, doing good to others. Is it what it means to produce good works? Those are good fruit. But Jesus here is not looking so much of that. In here, he's looking for reproduction. Reproduction of what? Reproduction of the life that is connected to the vine. He is looking for the fruit of his life in us. You see? He's looking for, am I the Lord of your life? And if I am the Lord of your life, do you have the attributes of my character? Do you have my mind and do you have my heart? That's what Jesus Christ is asked, looking for. Reproduction of himself. He is looking for the fruit of his life in us. Now, as a true disciple of Jesus Christ, there must be an inward grace. 
of the Holy Spirit in our lives that produces what Paul talks about, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and verse 23. Where am I going at with this? Some, do any of you know this text? Now it's being, now someone, now you see it. By the way, I don't see my sister who tested, who was looking for to be, uh, test me. Because uh, last couple of weeks, my sister, is she here? There she is. She's like, Pastor, what is the fruit of the Spirit? And I've been studying hard this week. Pastor Mark knows that I get it right. There's nine fruit of the Spirit, right, my sister? And check this out. You'll see it behind me. I'm cheating. The fruit, notice it's not plural. It's singular. It's not fruits. It's fruit, meanings. Meaning, though it's nine, it is all one, actually. You can't have one or the other. You can't pick and choose. Well, today, I'm going to be, I'm going to have to be full of joy, but my love is a little bit low, so I'm not going to love my fellow brothers or sisters. Well, today, I just feel, I feel kind, but in this traffic jam, I don't feel like I'm going to have self-control. You all know what I'm talking about? But Paul says this, the fruit is what? The fruit of the Spirit. Say it with me. Love, joy, peace, forbearance. Another word, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen. Do you have the fruit of the Spirit this morning? You can't just have one. You've got to have nine. All nine. If we say that we are connected to the vine, that be, that's Jesus, then we must produce fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Come on, church, you could do better than that. Amen? Amen? It may not be perfect, but it must, but it must be present in our lives. Loved ones, we must have Christ-like in our lives. The life Christ is looking for is inward grace of the Spirit that will produce outward grace. Let's see. Outward grace, outward fruit. New beginnings require ongoing pruning process that produces outward fruit. Now, the, another question that I want to ask is this. How does it work then? Notice in the latter part of verse 2. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Why? So that it will be even, what? More fruitful. When Jesus... And God looks into your life, and he sees the fruit that you're producing. He's going to say, good job. Now you could take a vacation. Now you could take a sabbatical from it. Does he say it? No. You produce fruit. Now you're going to produce more. Jesus is not satisfied. He wants more of him in our lives because he knows that more of him in our lives that we will meet better husbands, that we will be better wives, we'll be better fathers, we'll be better mothers, we'll be better children. And we will respect one another and love one another. Amen? That's why he wants to reproduce his character in our lives. The Greek word for prune is kalaletio, which means to cleanse properly. 
from filth, impurity, trees, and vines, from useless shoots. I don't know about you, but I need pruning every day. Because there are a lot of filth in my mind and in my heart. And if any of you said, I'm, I'm, I'm I made it like Pastor Mark Brady references, then you're lying in the house of God. <laughs> and you're not telling the truth. I'll be the first one to tell you that there's a lot of filth that God needs to prune. Amen? And there's a lot of filth in your life that God needs to prune. Amen? Amen? Let's be real here. Now, the health of the fruit all depends on the pruning process. This, this is how it works. A grapevine will never produce good fruits unless it's pruned. Grape growers go through several processes of pruning. If you turn to the next slide, the first process is pinching. Pinching. Removes the growing tips so it will not grow too fast. You see that? If it grows too fast, there's going to be some complications. So they pinch it. Make sure that it grows timely way. God has time for everything. Right? Second, topping. Remove foot or two of new growth. So they, they, they remove the, a top for a foot or two so that there will be room for new growth. That's what Jesus, that's what the Father does. He says, if you're not producing fruit, and so he cuts it off so that there'll be more room for, room for new growth. That's called topping. Third, thinning. The grapes to bear more and better fruit. In order to, the, the grapes to, bear, uh, to produce more and better fruit, it needs to be thinned out. Fourth is the cutting. This one, it hurts actually. <laughs> you know? The cutting away of suckers to give more nourishment. Jesus had this in mind when he was teaching the disciples there's a pruning process. The process itself would not make any sense to us, but it's the only way that we can grow and produce healthy, vibrant fruit in our lives. And this is what the Father does for us. You see, without the pruning process of God, Jesus says you will never fully blossom the way that you are meant to be. Furthermore, the pruning process is not easy. We all know that. Matter of fact, it is painful. It may even hurt sometimes, especially the cutting. But God makes us go through it, the process, because he wants us, you and me, to be more fruitful. That's his ultimate goal. God is always working in our lives. And some of you who are taking the Experiencing God class, Pastor Dale, he's, he's been teaching that. And today, this is what I call teamwork. His lovely wife, Sharon, taught the class. You know, again, just, but again, in the class of Experiencing God, is that, is their teaching is that God is always at work and we are to join in his work. You see? The problem that we make is that we want God to join in our work. Amen? Isn't it right? But that's not how it works. And that's why if we do that, then, we be, then we're fruitless rather than fruitful. So God is always working, pinching 
uh, topping, thinning, and cutting. The question is why? Why does he do this? It's because he wants people around us to be blessed by the fruit we produce. That's the Father's plan. You see, the Father's plan is that he keeps on pruning you, pinching, topping, and thinning, and cutting because he wants you to produce more fruit so that the people around you can be nourished by the fruit that you produce. And they can get feed off you to produce the fruit that you produce. You see, to bless others. Now, some of you may say, well, Pastor Nick, I'm tired of being blessing to others. I'm tired of nurturing and feeding others. What about me? And we kind of play that victimized poor me, right? Poor me, poor me. What about me? I want to be blessed. I want to get fed. I want to be nourished. To that question, that question is simple. That's why you need to be part of the church. Amen? 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 Because as you are part of the church... The people around you that are being pruned, pinching and topping and thinning, they, are, they will bless you and they will feed you, you see. That's how it works. But the people think, some people think, well, I don't need to be part of the church. It's between me and God. Did you ever heard of that before? I don't need to be part of a corporate worship like Sunday worship because I can worship God through on TV and on the Internet and YouTube. They have awesome speakers. They have awesome praise. On my own, on my couch, I can praise God like, you know, I can lift up and, and jump up and say, hey, I'm praising God. But that's not what church means. Church means is a gathering, right, coming together. See, if, if, if someone is on their own, they're going to miss out of being blessed by other believers. They're going to miss out in blessing others. So to, to some who says, what about me? But again, that's why you need to be part of the church, the loving community, the small groups, the men's group, the women's group, and the Bible study groups. You see, that's how we nourish and nurture and be blessed one another. That's the Father's plan. That's how it works. Amen? Are you all with me? You are not only a blessing to others, nor are you blessed being blessed by the fellow brothers and sisters if we're absent in the body of Christ. Furthermore, during the pruning process, the Father's hand is very close. It may not seem very far. There were times in my past when I was younger that when God was going, that was, he was leading me through the pruning process, I just felt like, God, where are you? Have you been there? God, how come you're not hearing my prayers? How come you're not answering my prayers? How come you're not blessing me like how you're blessing others? But that's the time when God is ever more close to you. I love the, uh, this portrait or this poem called The Footprints. I don't know. I think some of you are very familiar with that. And that the, uh, again, the author is writing about is, is walking along the s- seashore and then he only sees, he or she only sees two set of foot, uh, one set of footprints. And kind of questioned and said, God, how come? I thought you were supposed to walk in with me. But how come I only see my f- only one set of footprints instead of two? There should be four. Because you're by me, walking with me. 
And God responds in a gentle, soft voice, and he says, when you're going through a difficult time, that's when I carried you on my back. That's why you only see one set of footprints. Amen? That's who our Father is. The, through the pruning process, when you feel like God is far away, God is distant, that's when he's carrying you, and that is when he's closest. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Amen? Because that's what he does. The more the Father prunes us, the more we become like Christ. What we need to know is not a cleaning process for us, but to reproduce fruit. So Jesus wants to make it clear. I'm with you. I'm connected with you. You're already clean. So the pruning process is not making you to make clean, but to make you more fruitful. That's why he says in verse 3, he says, You are already clean because of the word that is in you that I have spoken to you. But it's all about bearing fruit. So he says in verse 4, remain in me. The Greek word in the, the word remain is menho, which means to stay, abide, and remain. So God is saying to us, he said, abide in me, remain in me, and stay in me. And as you do so, I also will abide in you, remain in you, and stay with you. Amen. You see how it works. It's a relationship. No branch can bear fruit by itself. You hear that? You and I cannot bear fruit by ourselves. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. That's what Jesus is saying. We have a tendency to do things our way. Have you been, have you been there? I'll do it my way, Lord. I do it my way, Father. I do it my way. I do it my strength. Some of you who are Frank Sinatra fans has a song. My way. Remember that? Young minds that are sitting here, you guys know who's Frank Sinatra? <laughs> you know? Who's the popular singers these days that you guys all listen to? I don't know, but okay. So you can tell me later. But Frank Sinatra had a song called My Way. And part of the lyrics or the stanza, it says, I did it. I did it my way. That's a reflection of the world today, isn't it? But the type of fruit that God is looking for, we cannot produce on our own, but only from remaining in Christ. Amen? And drawing the power from him. And that's why Paul said again, if you remember, he says, I want to know the power of Jesus Christ's resurrection. The Greek word for power is dynamo. And that's where we get the word dynamite. You know? That's where we draw the power. Many of us, we can testify, we are trying to do, we, we try to do it in our way. And you and I was clearly said, we fail big time. I'll be the first one to tell you. Many times I try to do it my way, and I said, I did it my way, but what happens? I fall flat in my face. That's when God humbles me. See, I told you. Now let's try my way. We were fruitless in the past. I would often ask myself, why is there no fruit in my life? 
Why is there no fruit in my life? And Jesus will gently will say, because Nick, you try to do it your own way. And you got ahead of me. That's the tendency. That's my weakness. Sometimes I could be focused so much on tasks, and I'm task-oriented, and I skip the prayer. I skip the meditation of the word. I skip the following leading of God. I said, God, I want to do it my way. I want to create this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And sometimes in the past, my wife, G, would say, Nick, slow down because you're going too fast for God. You see, I learned it the hard way. And perhaps some of you, you're looking at your own life and you say, why are there no fruit in my life? Why am I not growing in my spiritual life? Why am I stuck? And the answer to that is simple. You're doing it your way, not God's way. And that's what the Jesus is teaching us through the story. Notice in verse 5, he says again, he repeats it again. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But he says, apart from me, you can what? Do nothing. Repeat after me. You cannot do nothing. And I want you to take that to your memory bank. You cannot do nothing. Anything. If you are apart from Christ. Now, I know some people, apart from Christ, they're very successful. They're in corporate America and they're making a huge salary. They have a successful business and they even have a great family. The kids are going to great schools and they're going to go on great vacations. That, that even some, that some of us even can't even dream of. All these things are possible, but without Christ, we cannot produce spiritual fruit. Though that there may be some people that are successful in this world, they may have all the money, they may have all the fame, they may have all the things that they needed, but the question that I have to really ask is, are they producing the spiritual fruit? And that's what Jesus is looking for. Without Christ, we cannot have the real fruit that Jesus Christ is looking for. Apart from Christ, we cannot do nothing without him. We must remain in him. But to those who do not remain in him, Jesus gives a strong warning. What's the strong warning that he gives? Notice in verse 6. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away. And what happens? It withers. If you have your Bibles, underline that word, withers. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and it withers. The branch becomes dead when it is apart from the vine. I have this branch here. Uh, I, I was walking in with this branch and, and someone said, uh-oh, someone is in trouble. Because <laughs> this could be also a whipping stick as well. I picked this up from my backyard. And why was this branch withered and it is dead? Because it's disconnected from the vine. It's disconnected from the tree. 
because it's disconnected. No longer the sap and the nourishment goes through the branch that produces nice green leaves or depending on the tree or, or the fruit, they produce tomatoes, apples, and so forth. But this is dead because it's detached from the source of nourishment. And it simply can break like this. It's fragile, you see. And that's what Jesus, God the Father and Jesus is teaching us here. Just like this branch that is withered, your soul will be withered if you are attached from Jesus. Physically, you may be all fine like what we're talking about. Physically, you may be all successful. You may be climbing up that corporate ladder and you may have the, the title CEO or vice president or, or director of this or that you may have 100 employees in your, in your business or whatever, your, whatever it may be. You may be successful and, you, and even your family. But if you are not connected with Christ, then your soul, not physically, but your soul is withering. And dying. And that's what Jesus wanted to teach his disciples. And that's what he wants to teach us this morning, UBC family. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Right? People go on camping, they look for branches like this to start a fire. But what Jesus Christ is saying here is he's using a biblical language. Fire symbolizes judgment fruitless and faithless will face judgment that's a strong warning and you and me we don't want to face that kind of judgment amen so that's what Jesus is teaching us here Jesus is saying, you are a branch and you may be growing, but at some point, you do not remain in me and you start rejecting the truth and you remain fruitless, you will wither. Because no branch can survive that is detached from the vine. Now the question is, is Jesus saying one can lose salvation? No, he's not saying that. Absolutely not. Now, that's another sermon, so I'll stop there, okay? But that's not the point. That's not what he's saying. The point, Jesus, some people may, the point that Jesus is saying that some people may appear to trust in Jesus and yet was never a true believer in the first place from the beginning, which leads them to be departing from Jesus. You see, that's what he's saying. Just like when he condemned that fig tree, it appeared to be producing fruit, but they did not. So therefore, he condemned it. Hypocrisy. But to those who remain, he gives us wonderful promise. Notice in verse 7, he says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, here it is. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Do you see the contrast? One is judgment and one is a wonderful promise. The type of fruit we will produce is empower prayer life. As we pray, we will remain in Christ and his words will remain in us. 
As we remain, we will become like Christ. We will think like Christ. And we will be when we will talk like Christ. Therefore, our prayers will be in sync with Christ. You see? My smartwatch here, to those Apple fans, is not an Apple watch, okay? Sorry to disappoint you. My smartwatch is an Android watch. And I like this watch because it syncs with my smartphone. It syncs. It, com- it communicates. So what I see in my smartwatch is a reflection of my phone. It sends me texts. even sends me a call. I disabled the email because I didn't like the email. All the time, just come get it, right? But there are other functions because it's connected with my phone. It communicates. It's synced with it. However, as good as it is, if, if I put my phone here and I walk outside, what happened? The Bluetooth that is supposed to sync it because of too much of a distance, it's, it disconnects. So no longer my phone is in sync with my phone because I'm apart from it, you see. And what I'm talking about is exactly the same way that Jesus Christ is saying that in order for you to be in sync with me, in order for the Bluetooth to work, you need to be by me. You need to be near me. You need to be in me. You need to remain in me. You need to abide in me. You need to be connected with me. Because if you're not connected with me, if you're far away, then you, we lost that communication. We are no longer sync. That Bluetooth is no longer working because we're too far away. And that's what Jesus Christ is teaching us. You need to abide in me and remain in me so that we can be synced. Amen? And as we are in sync with him, then our prayers are in sync with him. Because prayer changes our heart. No longer are we lifting up self-agenda prayers. No longer are we lifting up selfish prayers. But we are lifting up according to God's prayers. We're praying what, what is on the mind of Christ. What is, we're praying that what is on the heart of Christ. And as we're praying the heart of Christ, and he says, ask whatever you ask, and it shall be done, and it shall be given. Amen? Come on, church. You could do better than that. Amen? Hallelujah. You see? So be in sync with him that you may reflect his character. Eventually, prayers become our own. But the ultimate purpose in all this is this. Notice is to glorify the Father. Notice in verse 8, Jesus said this. This is my Father's will that you bear much fruit. Showing yourself to be my disciples. You see, he wants you to, us to bear fruit continuously. The Father is glorified when we bear much fruit in our lives as his disciples. Then Jesus adds in verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. You see, Jesus is the object of the Father's love. And we are the object of Jesus' love. Man, that touches my heart. Does you? 
Does it to you? That I am the object of Jesus' love. Man, that touches my heart. Jesus loves us the way the Father loves us. Now the question is this. Do we remain in His love? How do we remain in His love? It is through obedience. To keep His commands of God in our lives. Notice in verse 10, in the last verse, and I'm almost done. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I kept my Father's commands and remained in His love. It is through our obedience to Jesus that we remain in His love. Certainly it is not perfect obedience because I'm imperfect. But we still need pruning. It's an ongoing process. In closing, Jesus is clearly divine. He's the fulfillment of God. We are the branches, and the Father is the gardener. Everything that the Father and the Son does is to develop and cultivate us to produce much fruit in our lives. Amen? And I believe one of the ways that the Father is working in our church, and I believe one of the ways that the Father is cultivating and developing men of our church has started. As Pastor Mark alluded to, Yesterday was the second time of gathering. And we're about 20, people, 20 men. And some of the men were coming up to me. We had a good problem because we were having a difficult time finding six in the parlor. And we challenged men. We said, we need to, we need to be too encouraging. We need to, what, to, we need to bless each other. And this is what God is developing, developing, cultivating us so that we can challenge and be our brother's keeper to help us to grow, to help us to spur each other on, to be better men, to be better brothers, to be better fathers, to be better sons, to be better neighbors, to be better everything. Because that's what God wants us to be. You see? And one of the projects that we talked about is this, that we're going to do, is that we started a youth ministry. Now we're going to start children ministry. And when I went down to the basement and saw the children's room, it needs some cleaning. It needs some deep cleaning. And so I took some men down there, and then we're going to say, we're going to paint and scrape. And I share with the men. So I, I challenged the men. The first project that we're going to do, brothers and sisters, hear me now. Next month, we're going to do it. We're going to walk to talk. Amen? Are you with me? Come on, man. Come on. You can just come on, church. We're going to scrape and paint and clean that room so that the kids can go down there and enjoy Sunday school. And that's what we're going to do. That's the first project. See, men get along when we sweat together. <laughs> and so our next meeting, as Pastor Mark said, is on a, a Friday night, July 23rd, 7 to 9. A couple of brothers are going to bring pizzas, and we're going to celebrate and have fun too again. But I love, the, I love how we concluded. Pastor Mark said, he said, can we get up? And all the men got up. And we hold hands. And stayed in circle. And we prayed. Man, that brought tears in my eyes. Man. 
That was good stuff, right, Pastor Mark? I'm going to embarrass all the men. I'm going to ask all the men to rise up, UBC. Oh, can you all rise up? Let's all rise up. Come on, men. Of UBC. Ladies, you need to support your husbands so they can make time to be part of the men's group, so they can grow and flourish, so they can be better fathers and husbands and brothers and sons. So I want to, ladies, encourage you to support the men. UBC ladies, women, please pray for the men because men need to lead. That's what God has called us to do. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. amen. While the man is up, I'm going to close us out. Please stay standing, and I want to pray for you all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. I thank you for the word that you have blessed us, and I pray, Lord God, that it does not go out. It does not go in one ear and go out the other. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us to be uh, obedient and to abide and to remain in your word, and that we would walk the talk. We will not just be just talkers and not no action but we'll be identified as disciple of Christ by producing good fruit in our lives and father I thank you so much for my brothers in Christ my co-laborers my co-workers my brothers I thank you for them God continue to cultivate us continue to unite us as brothers in Christ no man is greater than thee than he lays down a life for his friend Father, I pray that you bless the men of UBC, that we become stronger in our faith, that we will experience the power of God together, and that we will join in your glorious kingdom work, and that you will use us in a mighty and a powerful way, that the world will clearly know that we are disciples of men, of Christ. So we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Amen. Amen.